Good morning, friends. I think I had the opportunity to shake hands with at least uh, two-thirds of you on your way in this morning. What a delight to be with you at Nazarene Bible College. Dr. Allen, thank you for inviting us and welcoming us and hosting us like you have. And uh, we had a great time here last night with students as we opened and, and ready, open, warm-hearted response at the altars as we knelt in the presence of the Lord. This morning I'd like to share with you, as NBC has asked and invited me to share, about what the Holy Spirit is doing in the church around the world. And so we put together a PowerPoint presentation for this morning. Whether or not we see it is a discretionary. Actually, it's at Vic's discretion. So if it comes up, we'll go there. If it doesn't, I've got enough in my heart to talk with you for the next 30, 45 minutes just out of the overflow. And so you just relax. Don't worry about technology. I'm not worried about it. While we were pastoring at College Church, before God called us to become missionaries, and that's a whole nother story. While we were pastoring at College Church in Nampa, Idaho, I gathered our team one day and said, I feel God wants us to look into the Word of God, both Old and New Covenants, Old and New Testaments, and talk about vision. We created a definition of vision Vision is the God-given faith ability to see something with clarity even before it becomes reality and to seize that opportunity with holy integrity. And I know that I'm speaking to the choir this morning on vision. You are here because of God-given faith ability. You have already seen with clarity, even before it becomes reality. And you are the ones who are seizing these opportunities with the next generation of frontline leaders for the global church of the Nazarene and other denominations who are studying here because you seize the opportunity with holy integrity. And I honor you. It is a personal honor to stand among you today and to come and share with you. I see vision and global passion in your mission hearts. And I'm among friends. I'm home. Thank you for welcoming us. I want to pick it up where we left it off with students last night. Actually, I took them to China, and are we being recorded just now in audio? Would you just hit the pause button? Last night, and whenever we come to screen, I might have an opportunity to share with you some of the underground who experience holy unrest. We talked about holy unrest last night, and so I won't go there this morning, but I would like to ask you, how long has it been? since you experienced holy unrest. You were not satisfied with where you are. You want to go deeper. You want to go further. You want to advance in your own relationship with Jesus Christ, and you know that begins on your knees. 
with prayerful strategy beyond human motivation. It's all a work of the Holy Spirit. So this morning, I want to share with you about holiness mission movements around the world. Not only in China, but you can bring the audio back on if you'd like to, Vic, and record this next segment. And we're on screen. You think if I hit a button, we might stay on screen? No, actually, we'll just, uh, we'll see if this advance, advances quickly here. That killed it. Okay. Well, in that case, um, I might not do that again. Because I'm all for life, aren't you? And so, not only do we see a movement in places like China, though underground and invisible, we'll never report to the General Secretary in Kansas City, growth statistics out of the Church of the Nazarene in China. It'll just never happen. Only when you and I get to heaven will we stand among throngs of Chinese Nazarenes who have fallen in love with Jesus and maybe Maybe someone will be interested in counting them there. I'm not sure whether we'll stu still do stats in heaven, but I can tell you there will be hundreds, thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands by the time Jesus comes because of what God is doing in the underground church in China where four out of five Christians in that most populated nation on the planet actually meet in secret. So when they gather to worship, their songs sound like this. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. Because, you know, if they sang out loud, they would be persecuted and perhaps murdered for their faith, martyred. Not only is God doing that in China, but in nations where we served last and from which we were elected into this global ministry, like Afghanistan, Pakistan, Nepal, Bhutan, Bangladesh, India, Sri Lanka, the South Asia field, 25% of the world's population live in those nations. It's amazing to see what the Holy Spirit is doing there. Now, in India, the Church of the Nazarene began in 1898, before we were officially born in 1908. But in those rim nations, it's amazing to see the advance of the gospel. The, the power, the dynamic of the Holy Spirit among very poor people who earn a, an average of about $1 per day per person. Imagine paying for housing, for transportation, and public buses, or, or, or little auto rickshaws. Or in Calcutta, with human-drawn rickshaws, still 17,000 of those, we were there one time, several times we've been there, but water ran this deeply in the streets because of torrential downpours. And, and think about Bangladesh. I was with Sukumal Biswas, our district superintendent in Bangladesh, just a few months ago, and he said, Daniel, we now have more than 800 organized churches of the Nazarene in Bangladesh. Muslim culture, We've been there many times, stayed in their homes. We love to stay in their homes. I told the students about staying in their homes last night. But when, when we are there, we see the intense persecution against Christianity. And it's in that kind of a climate that Christianity has always advanced. And you wonder why in relatively, at least until now, 
relatively comfortable Western cultures like ours in the United States, the church has tended to look a little bit like this in growth development. You know what a flat line means in medical terms? Sukumal Biswas said, now we have more than 800 organized churches of the Nazarene in Bangladesh, and they are organizing more than 75 average per year in Bangladesh. Now, we begin, obviously, with the Jesus Film or Nazarene Compassionate Ministries. We win the hearts of the people, lead them into faith in Jesus Christ, and start little house churches in their humble little homes. And then we find the most mature believer pour disciple-making into that person and appoint that person a pastor, male or female, doesn't matter. And then we have a preaching point, eventually a church-type mission, and then an organized church with a pastor, a place to worship, and an elected church board, just like the church where you worship. More than 800 on that district, organized churches of the Nazarene. It's amazing to see. It is a movement. You can't define it in human terms. No human fingerprints on it. Sukumal Biswas, the district superintendent, says, this is a work of God. I want Carol to come and share with us a story about Stuti Wankede. Carol, will you need a microphone? Why don't you uh, here, just take this one right over here that I... Or you could come to the pulpit mic, whichever you please. I want her to share with you about Stuti Wankede, the first ordained female in South Asia. We've ordained others since that, but I want you to hear the story about Stuti. She stands with a comfortable um, gaze. I loved when I asked her to tell me this uh, testimony of hers. Her black raven hair hangs just about shoulder length, and she speaks three or four languages, studied at Manchester for her theology degree, uh, her dad said as a DS there in Mumbai, would you be willing to pastor the English-speaking church? And so she learned uh, through uh, trial and error, especially in a male-dominated society, what it's like to be a female pastor. And eventually was ordained our first female in India. And I said, Studi, I just want to hear more about your testimony. She began to share with me the uh, early days as a little girl watching her grandmother and her mother take food into the slums and would uh, engage in ministry with needy people in that way. And so her heart is broad with compassion just by nature. And uh, Studi said, you know, I was uh, in my teen years when one of our pastor's wives said, would you like to go with me to uh, Sunday afternoon ministry to the sex trade workers? And innocent and um, quite naive, she goes, sex trade workers, what's that? And of course, got educated right quickly about prostitution. There are some 300,000 just in Mumbai alone. And Studi said it was, it was riveting to see these children that were born uh, out of uh, the situation of no father to, to minister to them, just moms that would uh, have to sell their bodies to feed the children. And she said, Carol, if we didn't break that cycle, the next generation had no other options but to return back into that. And so she said, I remember the night I had a dream that I would eventually someday adopt 
a prostitute's child, and named the little girl Evangeline. And God began to incubate in her heart a desire for what she could do in her city. And uh, she said, I knew that my theology degree prepared me to preach and teach, but I wondered about my city, how they might perceive my capabilities of leading a halfway house. So she says, my dream is to go to a Nazarene university and get a sociology degree. And so we began to pray with her about that. Along with that, she said, would you pray with me that God will prepare me for the husband? For in our society, our parents arrange our marriage. And I don't know what man out there wants to belong to me if that's my goal, to be helping sex trade workers find jobs and get education and help their children to get out of that cycle. So we begin to pray, and God, in his providence, has ways that surprise all of us. People begin to hear the story of Studi, and it is an amazing story. She says, I remember the day that God tested my heart to see if I really did care about these women, and I knew I was to call on Nirmala. Nirmala was one of those caught in the tragic um, demise where the daddy asks her to go sell her body and bring the money home so the family can eat. That is ultimate betrayal. <laughs> you go sell your body so we can eat. And Nirmala obeyed and went out. And with that lifestyle brought disease into her body. And she knew she was dying. And her only request was, could I go back and die at my father's house? They said that her body was so riveted with disease that worms were crawling out of her skin. And she smelled so bad that they decided to lay her on a cot out on the porch because to bring her in the house, it was such regurgitating smell that nobody could stand it. Studi said, you know, Carol, as I was going to her house, I smelled her before I saw her. And she said, everything in me wanted to go, I, I don't know, Lord. I don't know if I can do this. And the Lord said, touch her. Tell her. Touch her. Tell her. The right kind of touch and the right kind of tell. And so Studi said everything in her, mustered some courage, and she went forward, and she says, Nirmala, you've met me before. My name is Studi, and I'm here to tell you about Jesus, the Son of the living God who came to our earth to die for our sins, to take that which is broken in our lives and heal us and make us his forever and ever. And after death, we can live with him forever in heaven. And she told in as simple a way the gospel message that God loved this Nirmala. And in the weakened state, this little tiny prostitute raised her hand. Jesus, save me. Didn't pay one tithe check, didn't go to one, uh, what, Sunday school class, didn't even read the manual. <laughs> she called on the name of the living God. That's not to discount the things that we do to bring maturity into our lives. It's just that at the basics, God will rescue. And Nirmala died the next day, and Studi realized she would be ushered into the presence of the Almighty the right kind of touch, the right kind of tell. You know, God in his mercy has good things in store. And today, Studi is at Northwest Nazarene University finishing up her sociology degree. A year ago, January, 
she was introduced seven days before her wedding to a Christian dentist who was arranged marriage and he, Neelish, is so excited about her call. God knows what he's doing. God knows how to orchestrate the details. God even knows how to take a little Nirmala and say, I've destined you to live with me forever and ever. You see, God in his goodness, wherever we are found, in Mumbai, in Minnesota, on a little farm in, in, in Washington where I was found, dealing with sometimes the pains of our life. I too had been sexually abused and I had to deal with it at age 33 and about took my life. But God had a better plan. And I stand here today to tell you, He is the God of repair. And He does repair completely. Carol, I'll take that. This is a song that Carol has written in mission out of stories like Stuti's, and we want to share it with you today in a spirit of encouragement, the God of repair. I do know the one 
with me, will you please, to Acts chapter 1. Holiness mission movements were birthed in the heart of God. And book of Acts movements, book of Acts movements are flourishing in multiple places around the planet today, even in the church of the Nazarene. You know, there is this mighty river in the Holy Spirit and the Church of the Nazarene is a little stream in that mighty river in the greater body of Christ. The Holy Spirit has amazing grace to pour out in these last years of time. However few or many there are, Jesus said, only the Father knows. But friends, in these last years of time, it's obvious, as you and I see the ramping up of challenge against the body of Christ, against Christianity. You see it in the news, you feel it in the culture. Uh, it's, it's flagrant around the world. You know that Jesus Christ could well come again in our lifetime. And in the book of Acts, we see these holiness movements being birthed by the Holy Spirit. Jesus said to his disciples, wait until you are baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. Where is your Jerusalem? This is your Jerusalem. Jesus was challenging disciples to think about the very place where they lived, moved, and have their being. This is your Jerusalem. And this is where Jesus promises that you will receive power and be his witnesses. God wants a book of Acts kind of movement at Nazarene Bible College college in Colorado district in this central part of the USA spreading not only over this continent but around the world and that's why he's called you here for such a time as this and he is able we have the pouring out of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost and we have the message of Peter there in Acts chapter 2 in the last days God says I will pour out my spirit on all people your sons and daughters will prophesy receive that as a declaration of God's purpose for your offspring the next generation of leaders that you equip not only in your own immediate family where first we make disciples, but in the circumference of our ministry 
where we disciple students in this campus to the ends of the earth. I looked into their eyes last night. Many of them stayed and said, Daniel, God has called me to mission. Would you help me discover more and the next steps? God has you here at the right time because sons and daughters will prophesy, Peter said. Quoting Joel in the Old Testament, minor prophet, major message. I love Joel. I love this message. Your young men will what? See vision. And your old men will dream dreams, but not about the past, friend. About what God is going to still pour out in our generation. He is willing. He is ready. He is able. And we believe him to do that here at Nazarene Bible College. And then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, even little Nirmalas who call on the name of the Lord, will be saved. Hallelujah. We see this kind of Book of Acts movement that we see in the rest of the story in the Book of Acts and the life of the disciples living in Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit because they had first been purified and cleansed in heart, sanctified through and through. We see this story unfolding in Acts chapter 2 near the end. You remember after Peter's message, 3,000 were added to their number that day. And then you see the progression of this movement. Promised by the Lord, poured out in the Holy Spirit, and, you, and now you see the marks of a holiness mission movement. Evangelism. 3,000 were added to their number that day because they believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and were saved. And then there was disciple-making. And I love to see right from where I stand the mission statement of NBC, including evangelism and disciple-making. That's why you're here. You're discipling the called and anointed by the Holy Spirit to go to the ends of the earth to raise up these kind of Book of Acts movements again. With missional passion that I see from your heart through the gates of your heart, your eyes. It's exciting. Disciple making. And then you see the fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayer. All of these marks, characteristics of a Book of Acts movement. And then stewardship. They sold their possessions. They gave to anyone they had need. Compassion. And then worship from house to house, praising God and enjoying the favor of all of the people that result in more evangelism. Verse 47, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So there it is again, evangelism, disciple making, fellowship, prayer, compassion, stewardship, worship, evangelism. And the cycle continues, marks of the New Testament church. Every one of those characteristics are the passion that blaze within you and get you out of bed every Monday morning to stand back in your class or at your post on this campus. And I say thanks be to God for frontliners like you who are raising up the next generation with this kind of book of Acts passion and vision in their hearts. Hallelujah. What a delight to stand among you. Carol and I were in Ethiopia in October. We took actually this time, been there before, but took 74 global mission leaders with us from 10 nations. 
Christians. In Ethiopia, the first time I was there, they were just then building in Addis Ababa the first altars that they used at the field center. The altars were a bit like these, although just a little higher. They had space underneath. When I preached on how to be filled with the Holy Spirit, as I will preach here tonight with your students, when I preached on how to be filled with the Holy Spirit, I invited those leaders to come from across the Horn of Africa field who had gathered there in Ethiopia. They had never knelt at an altar before. These were brand new resources. And when they came, they actually knelt completely under the altar because they didn't know to kneel at the altar. It was a picture I will never forget. They actually knelt under the altar like a picture of full consecration to God. Lord, you do in my life whatever you want to do. Here I am. I am available. Raise up another movement in my part of the world. And God is doing that in the Horn of Africa today. We saw it with our own eyes. That's why I wanted to take these mission leaders back to see what God is doing in the Horn of Africa. I took a Jesus film in to one village and among that unreformerly unreached people group called the Mercy people. I've got photos of them that I won't be able to show you this time, maybe another time. But the unreached people group, very unusual looking people, women with big pieces of bark in their lips that protrude. Those people hadn't heard about Jesus, so we showed the Jesus film to the chief and 18 warriors and they said, stop the film, we've got too much to do, we must get back to our crops and our goats, just tell us what we need to do. And we advanced the film to the end, showed them the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ. They said, tell us what we need to do. And we prayed with them a sinner's prayer. They waited several weeks to try Jesus. And then they invited their women and children to come and see Jesus. And now 95% of that formerly unreached people group in Ethiopia, the Mercy people, are in Christ and being discipled through the Church of the Nazarene. That is your story. That's not our story. That's your story because you are the ones invested in prayer and raising up the next generation of frontline leaders. Took a Jesus film to another village. And the chief said, no, you go away. We are not interested in your God. Well, why not? Because other people have come and told us about their gods, and their gods have done absolutely nothing for our village. Our children are still dying of malnutrition. Our women are sick. Our crops are failing in the fields. There is no rain. We're in the midst of drought. Their gods have done nothing. We're not interested in your God. You just leave us alone. And so they started to leave. And the chief said, stop just a moment. There was a, a woman in our village who has been blind for 13 years. And if your God can heal this woman, then we will listen to your story about your God. Well, what would you do? What would you do? They had to leave. They went to the next village. They started praying and fasting. After three days, they ran out of safe drinking water. No food, water, day four, five, six, seven. On the eighth day, a runner came and said, the chief wants to speak to you. They came back and the chief said, I don't know where you've been or what you have been doing, but this woman who has been blind for 13 years can now see out of both eyes. Will you please tell us your story about your God? And we introduced that village to faith in Jesus Christ. 
That's how movements flourish. And then we begin the process of disciple-making because, friends, we're Wesleyans. We believe not only in conversion, in new life in Christ, the first step, but we believe in deep maturity in Jesus Christ. And we want those people to go on to maturity until they know that their hearts are cleansed, purified, and that they have been filled with the Holy Spirit. And that happens in the process of disciple-making. So you know that we teach them how to pray and study their Bibles. We gave an Ethiopian pastor a new Bible. His Bible was all messed up, muddy. He was a bivocational pastor, took his Bible to the field. We're finished. I just glanced at my watch, how we're having fun. He took his Bible to the field, got it all dirty and messed up and muddy. The covers were gone. We gave him a new Bible in his own language, and I wish you could have seen what he did with that Bible. He received it with both hands, as they do in most cultures, and then put it to his heart and wrapped his arms around that new Bible in his language like a lover. And then, because in Ethiopia, this is the way Christians and Nazarenes worship the Lord, he just started swaying and then could handle it no more and just started dancing and twirling in the Spirit, in the Lord, because he was overjoyed with his new Bible. And I guess I just want to ask you today, how long has it been since you danced with your Bible. And you say, well, Daniel, I don't dance. And neither do I, just ask Carol. <laughs> but honestly, how long has it been since you danced with your Bible? The Word of God, overjoyed. The foundations for a movement in the Holy Spirit. One closing illustration have video clips that I had wanted to show you because it would really rivet this in your mind, but preaching in Cali, Colombia recently, you know drug cartel, crime, capital of Colombia in South America. In Cali, Colombia, the Church of the Nazarene is called the House of Prayer, Church of the Nazarene. Oh, why would they do that? Because Jesus said, my house, my this is not your house. Your church is not your house. Your church is not your pastor's house. Your church is not your board's house. Jesus said, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. And you know the rest of the story. He said, enough of this. Enough of what you're doing here with my house. I am sick of this. My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. And so the house of prayer in Cali, Colombia started 25 years ago with 25 people. And after 12 years, Brother Allen, they had grown to 31. Uh, you, you might know some churches of the Nazarene like that. From 25 to 31, 12 years. And the pastor said, God, this is not working. What shall we do? And God said, I'm calling you back to the book of Acts basics. And they went back and they started praying and fasting. And Pastor Adalberto and Nenea Herrero will tell you to this day, if you visit Cali, Colombia, that the key to the growth of that church has been prayer and fasting. I spoke on that Sunday to about 8,000 people who are now a part of that church every weekend they come. After I taught on how to be sanctified through and through, 
I invited people to the front, and many responded. And then I deferred to the pastor. I was in a Spanish-speaking culture, and I wanted him to come and pray over them in his language. But he said, how many of you are here for the first time? And many raised their hands. And he said, I want you to come also. Now that's seeker sensitivity if I've ever seen it. And they came because this place is powered by prayer and fasting. They came, they responded. They took them off to a little room. I wish I could show you a, a video of this room where they started discipling them immediately and before they left. That new Christian, those new Christians, after each of those six services on that Sunday, were assigned to one of the little house churches in that community. They have more than 500 house churches attached to that church where they disciple, where they evangelize in their communities. It still looks like the book of Acts, a church without walls. Friends, in this culture, some of the things, and I don't have time to go here now, but some of the things, the, the entrapments of Western civilization and Christianity are very possibly some of the things and some of the reasons that we're not seeing a Book of Acts movement break out in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes the simpler it is and the more basic it is, the more the Holy Spirit is ready to come and fill it. And God is willing and ready and able to do that now through this place, through your life. And I just want to know, is anybody hungry for some of that? Does anybody want to see a book of Acts movement in the power of the Holy Spirit in our generation? I do. Would you stand? Lord, with all of our hearts today, we cry out to you. I, I, I look into the hearts and the eyes of my sisters and brothers they are frontliners. They are the ones whom you've called to raise up the next generation of pastors and evangelists and apostles and prophets and teachers. I thank you, Lord, for encouraging and, and equipping them and reminding them that you're doing amazing work around the world today. We give you thanks for this, Lord. But before we leave, we'd really like to respond to you ourselves. Uh, not only calling our our young colleagues to respond but Lord we'd like to respond to you ourselves because we, we want to take a moment before we dash off to our next responsibility today to say to you yes Lord yes Lord I, I come to you I'm hungry for this I, I want to see your Holy Spirit break out here in the center of the United States of America would you bless Nazarene Bible College, and would you bless my heart with this, O oh God? There are some who, who want to say, yes, Lord. And as we sing this little song from Isaiah, if you'd like to just step out from where you are, take a moment. I know you only have a moment. But if you'd like to say, Lord, I'm available. I'm ready. I am so hungry for this. I long for fresh anointing. Would you do in my heart what we've heard you're doing around the world? Would you refresh my spirit today, O oh God? If you'd like to pray that prayer before we leave, I simply invite you to come and kneel with me here. Thank you, Father, for coming among us as we say yes to you today. There is, there is not a no, there is not a resistant spirit in this room, all of us want all 
that you want to do in us and through us. And we wait for you. We long for your anointing because we know that that's where Book of Acts movements begin. We take our hands off because, Lord, we know that there are not human fingerprints on a Book of Acts movement. Thank you for visiting the hearts of my colleagues today, my brothers and sisters, as they respond to you. Empower them. Refresh them. Enable them. Anoint them, O oh God, with a new visitation of your manifest presence through Jesus Christ in your spirit. Hallelujah.